Welcome to Cultivated Marketer, where we talk marketing professional development so your garden of opportunity grows. This is Brent Bowen. Hi, it's Matt Tidwell. Matt, how are you doing this week? I am well, Brent. I am well. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Little, little frenetic. The clients are keeping me busy, but you know, that considering unemployment's at an all-time high, and I was reading some studies. There was one that came through LinkedIn this morning about how this is affecting marketers in particular Mm. that I was just able to kind of quickly skim. I haven't been able to read the full article. I'm going to, I've set that aside for nighttime reading tonight. I have no room to complain. Let's just put it that way. So things are, things are good. Yeah. It's been interesting how this has affected marketers. It, it, to some degree, we were in an IBC board meeting the other day talking about this and, and just, uh, it seems like people are either very, very busy, busier than they were, you know, pre COVID or, you know, they're in a, they're in an industry that's sort of dropped off. And so they're, you know, so it's, it's very kind of polarizing, I think in a lot of ways, nobody really in the middle. Yeah. It, it's been polarizing in that regard for me. I'm on one end of the spectrum. It, it recalls a time where I used to work for a large asset manager here in here in town. And I was the marketing lead for this major celebrity golf event. And I would work so hard during that event that I would fall. I, at one point in time, fell asleep on my laptop. I think I ruined the laptop drooling on it at some point, you know, I fell asleep on the actual laptop. I, I have almost reached that point. This, the last couple of weeks been that, you know, been, been going that hard with, you know, a lot of change for these clients. Everybody's, everybody's working that almost that entrepreneurial pivot. You hear about a lot of these startups talking about having to pivot their business models. And it feels like just about every entity in the world feels like a startup. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. Uh, You know, I know we wanted to talk just a little bit today about just kind of what we're what we're seeing out there and in terms of brands and certainly in, in my class, we, we talk quite a bit about that. And, um, the, a couple things, you know, come to mind. I don't know if anybody had a chance to watch the 60 Minutes episode this past Sunday. That would have been the April 26th episode. But and this is a more of a big brand story. But they profiled, you know, all of this work that's happening with the big automakers, General Motors and Ford, and fascinating stuff. And and it really reminded you of, of how they pivoted, right? How they, you know, the GM folks, engineers were talking about how they they it took them less than three weeks to go from discussion stage to assembly line to make ventilators, which to me were, and I've used, I came from a lot of big companies where we did manufacturing. That's just unbelievable. And, you know, they showed, it really kind of brought you back to sort of World War II days where, you know, manufacturing companies were retooling and, and you know, there was that great American spirit and it was just a fantastic, if anybody hasn't, hasn't watched that yet, I highly recommend it. it really kind of the, the quintessential American story, which we've seen a lot of, but more and again, more from the big brand perspective, but just really cool. Yeah, I have had historically, I've had some clients that were manufacturing clients. And even when we had the initial onset of this and we were we were hearing about the Production Act and a lot of the conversation that was taking place there, that's immediately where my head went. It harkened back to World War Two era Production Act. How do we how do we retrofit and change and modify the manufacturing process in order to support the war effort? Right. So. A lot of big change in that regard I've seen on a much smaller scale, although I do, I have some big brand clients that I work with and they've had some change, particularly in the financial services space. Hmm. A lot of the change I've seen, it's, it's affected them 
one of my clients is a large tax preparation firm. So having the deadline change from April to July has had implications. It's really been around renewed education and guidance because it's not necessarily a negative. It's provided opportunities on another podcast that where I'm the host, we're actually having a certified financial advisor and certified financial planner because the tax deadline changing is actually going to present opportunities for individuals and businesses Hmm. if they could afford to get into that type of conversation. And then you and I were talking about just briefly, even before we jumped on here, I have a, a retail client and also where my retail client and, and it's also where my office is located that I haven't seen in six weeks in my podcast studio. You know, you and I've been doing this out of my home office and your respective home office that where they're largely food and, and retail and they've had some missteps misreading how long this would go on mm. where they were trying to do a membership program to get an influx of cash to be able to support the small business owners. Well, the idea of trying to come together as a, as a large community, even if it's August, September, people are kind of having a wait and see attitude. I think even if you asked anybody in this area in Kansas city and said, Hey, you want to head out to Arrowhead for, for the season opener and see them get those super bowl rings. Yeah. I'd like to see that, but can I watch from television? (laughs) <laughs> 78,000 of my closest friends. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So we had a misstep there, but they've seen some successes recently as businesses have started to reopen. They made a quick pivot to organized curbside pickup where they've seen the power. This business, it's the Iron District in North Kansas City. They have some power in kind of the joint tenants. And they finally realized that power of having all these joint tenants and set up a Saturday, one day, early evening curbside pickup where you can order from any of their menus, come along and pick up not just food, but retail and drinks. And so you've seen a lot of like the drink manufacturers, they were doing the mixed drinks like Rieger moved away from the packaged cocktails to hand sanitizer because that made sense. Last time. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about that last time. And that made sense for them, probably because the on some level, while there was certainly a need for the hand sanitizer, the cocktails alone probably weren't enough to carry their full business model. Right. So in this case, the the Iron District's finally figured out and seen some success. They sold out of all their food. I think the cocktails are sold out. People are even buying clothing and picking it up that through their shared experience that they can survive together, which has been which has been great. So that's great. Yeah, and I think that's our topic this week, isn't it? It's kind of the shared experience. Yeah, through, I think ne- so. through networking. Oh. <laughs> through networking. We're, we're gonna talk to Catherine Lorenzen of, of Landa Job. And she was, you know, on she was on the speaker docket there at IABC BCS, where we were so fortunate to have so many terrific speakers, both local and national. I know last time we talked to John Hall, but Catherine's got a little more of a, a local flavor, but interesting lady and and her agency, of course, is Land a Job, which is a staffing recruitment firm. It specializes in the marketing field, so directly relevant, I'm sure, to a lot of the folks that might listen to us here. And she was terrific and, and is going to talk about, I think, a lot of things that would be interesting to anybody, whether you're in, in job search mode or think that you could be at a certain point in time. As I think I say on the on the episode, she she really knows it uh, very well. She's, she's worked in that space for a long, long time, and so I'm, I'm excited that she'll be our guest. 
Yeah. Do you recall the stat that she provided? Because I remember when we were talking about the importance of networking and, and folks, maybe this is the tease to get folks to actually listen to the interview with her. Right. Is we know it's more than 50, 50. My sense was it was 80% of the people that end up landing a position with an organization. It's through that connection you have within that organization. And I may have gotten the percentage wrong, but I know it was darn close to that. Yeah. The reality is, you know, if you're, and I talk to you know, particularly in my field, right. I'm working with, with younger professionals all the time. And, and, you know, those people often are, are in career shift kind of mode. And, and the reality is you're just, you're not going to get a job through an online posting these days anymore. I mean, it's really more about, and that may be a way to, to kind of understand what's out there and what's open in the market. But you got to, you know, you got to know somebody, right? I mean, uh, and particularly, I think that's one of the things that's unique to Kansas City. And I, I think we cover this a bit with her is that, you know, it's sort of the world's largest small town. And, and you know, you you land positions based on, you know, you know, somebody who knows somebody. And, and that networking piece is just so extremely important. And I think uniquely so here in, in, in our market. Yeah. And as, as much as there's an appeal for people that may be in the market to look for a new role or a new position, and I'm being exposed by my children and my my wife to this new addiction to this thing called TikTok. And one of the funniest mm-hmm. things they showed me was a TikTok video of this guy that's talking about uh, the stay-at-home order and quarantine. And he said, "What? Wait, what? I don't get to go into work and I get to watch TV all day? Sign me up!" Right? As much as there may be this tendency to do it, I think probably networking right now may even be one of the most important things you could be doing because as the market starts to open back up, I know people are still willing. I I had a virtual, I had a coffee appointment set up about three weeks ago when everything went sideways. We decided to keep the coffee. We weren't able to sit across from each other in a table, but we were able to sit across each other in the screen and get to know each other better. And in fact, because we are each in our respective homes, we got to know each other even a little bit better than we probably would have in coffee. She had a nice, there were visual cues I could see that allowed me to open up that world and have that kind of conversation. I saw she had a expansive library. So I asked her what she liked to read. There was a piece of artwork that I actually recognized in a, in a prior life had interviewed the, the artist and had asked and, and, and actually ended up as a follow-up, ended up sending her a link to the, the interview that I had done with that particular artist. So there actually is a, a great opportunity, even though we've been kind of sidelined, I think, and Catherine obviously doesn't speak to this in the interview, but I think we have to acknowledge it with the way the world's changed over the last couple of weeks. There, there's still an opportunity to do networking. It's just changed and it doesn't necessarily mean it's changed for you know the worst. Sure. It's so important to stay connected and, and we may have to do it a little bit differently in this new world order, at least for the time being. But, you know, I don't know. I know this community pretty well. And I think when, when things come back and, you know, certainly hopefully in a year or so from now, when this is far behind us and, and vaccines and, you know, we'll, we'll get back to that personal touch piece because uh, I was joking with somebody the other day about, you know, Kansas city has got to lead the league per capita in Panera's and Starbucks because uh, we, we love our coffee meetings. We love our, Love our ability to touch somebody personally in this, some of that's just kind of the Midwestern mindset, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's going to be great to when, when we can, when we can all get back into that mode for sure. Yeah. I actually know she's a, a friend of mine. That's basically what she has on her business card is very Kansas city, very Midwestern 
on her business card. I have coffee for a living <laughs> right. and that's what it is all day long is coffee meetings and appointments. So for sure. Yeah. Any additional thoughts before we go into the conversation with Catherine, anything strike you about our new abnormal? I don't think so. I think that, you know, this topic is absolutely as relevant with what we're going through today as it was when, you know, when we were sitting with, with Catherine across the table, whenever that was six, seven weeks or a little more than that, a couple months ago now. So again, very topical and particularly for, again, for the younger pros out there, she's got some really good things to say about how you should be going about your business in terms of just not only your career as it exists now, but how, how it will exist for you in the future. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, and would even offer with a lot of the positions even currently being frozen that this may be more relevant, at least until we can put this behind us. So with that, thanks for joining me and Matt for this episode. We hope you enjoy our conversation with Landa Jobs, Catherine Lorenzen. Brad, our guest today is Catherine Lorenzen. Catherine is a senior marketing recruiting consultant and a career coach in the field. You know, I can't think of anybody more qualified to talk about the state of our field in Kansas City is, you know, Catherine is a person who's helped literally hundreds of professionals find a career home here, hence her perfectly named company, Landa Job. She knows the professional development landscape probably better than just about anyone I can think of. So can't think of a better guest for our podcast. So welcome, Catherine. Thank you. Glad to be here today. We're so glad to have you, Catherine. I know you're You've been a veteran of Kansas City IBC and BCS and a lot of the programming. We had the opportunity to sit down with students, I know, in the last calendar year. And BCS is such a great event each year. Speakers, rich content, strong attendance. Tell us what you're here to talk about today. What what wisdom are you hoping to impart on the crowd today? Not just you, but your esteemed uh, panel of guests. Well, as you mentioned, we've got a real diverse uh, set of content today and a number of different breakout sessions. And the panel that I'm leading is specifically to help people answer the question, what's the potential value of a master's degree to my career? And so we've got a broad spectrum of panelists. We've got four people that represent everybody from early career to later career to the educational side to give different points of view on the questions to ask, because that's really the value we're trying to give in this breakout session is how do you approach this decision? What kinds of questions do I ask in order to make the best decision for myself at my point in my career? That's great. That's great. You know, certainly a topic near and dear to my heart as my day job is is running the the long time and growing master's degree program in integrated marketing communications here at KU Edwards campus. In your experience though, because you work with a lot of employers, how did they view an advanced degree? Is it a differentiator? Is it a is it more in the have to have category? Is it more in the nice to have category? What do you find? So the the easy squishy answer is it depends because every organization, every company is going to be a little bit different in their point of view and their biases and their needs. And in some organizations, and this is where the the individual really has to do their homework in their own world and in the worlds that they may want to expand into to find out what are the, where do the values lie? Are the companies or organizations I'm interested in, are they really relying mostly on experience rather than degrees? Or is that degree something that really allows the credibility 
to get things done in that organization uh, that other people might not be able to move initiatives forward. So it, it really depends on the orientation. But I will tell you that there are statistics that indicate that there's a growing list of job titles and job functions that on paper require advanced degrees, much more so than 10 years ago. And that's been documented by some, some research that's been pulled together, for example, by the Harvard Business Review. You know, young professionals often will seek master's degrees. Many times mid-career professionals are mm -hmm. coming back. Do you, and maybe this is something you'll explore in your panel today, but are, are there different triggers for those levels? So there are really different points of view on this, whether, you know, do I go straight through? Do I get my bachelor's and then just go straight into a master's program? Or should I work for a few years and kind of figure out a little bit more about what I want to do, where my real subject matter passions are, and then look at an advanced degree? There are strong arguments on both sides of that, in addition to the rapid pace of change. So I think that I would say as a recruiter and somebody who deals with helping employers find talent and helping people as a career coach, I help people unite with what kinds of opportunities are right for them. The biggest hurdle of difficulty that somebody might have is if they go straight through school, straight through the master's degree, and they don't have any work experience blended in there. So no internships, no working while they're in school. That's probably the single scenario that I would worry about somebody the most, is if they're coming out with a master's degree and they've got no work experience to show on that resume. It's been straight academic experience without any right. practical right. corporate or, and or work or job experience. Right. And, now, obviously, if you want to go into academia, that's that's a whole that's, different that's, deal. Yeah, that's a yeah. that's a different use case or scenario, right, right? right? So, but if the intent is to go out into the work world outside of academia, that would be something where you would maybe advocate for an individual to. We to really kind of encourage that, and it doesn't always have to be paid work. It can be volunteer work. It can be participating in organizations. It doesn't have to be for a paycheck. It just has to be something where you've, you're working in a team, you're participating or leading initiatives, you're achieving results. And let's talk about one of those you just mentioned, which is engaging maybe with an organization, kind of like IABC. And so there are so many great ways for the marketers to build those skills. You were referencing that great organizations within Kansas City and beyond like IABC, AMA, AAF, PRSA, plus more. I know I know I see the all company, the all marketing organization end of year party list. And I think it's been added to 15 around the around the city. Yeah, but I hear young pros, young professionals question whether they should get involved in these organizations to develop their skills. What say you? I mean, you gave us a bit of a vitamin answer to that, quick answer to that, but what, what are your thoughts? Well, on the one hand, you've got the, the concerns of the, the young person or the young pro that looks at, gosh, it's really expensive to join some of these clubs. And then also on the organization side, 
I would say that all of these clubs, and I know because I go to all of them and I have served on the boards of all of them at one time or another, or most of them anyway, that we're having trouble getting the younger members. And we know that it is a, it's, it's a couple of things. One is that it's a, it can be a barrier with the money, mm-hmm. that it is expensive to join. People are more time challenged now. They just are. And then the third thing is a perception of value. So I think we in the organizations that serve the professional communities, I don't think we do a good enough job of getting the value communicated to our younger pro audiences. And I think I see the clubs all struggling with this to one degree or another. And it's something we're all going to have to to grapple with. So I know in IABC, we spend a lot of time trying to communicate those values and encouraging people, you know, come to our meetings. You don't have to be a member. If that's a barrier, just come and pay the guest fee. Yeah. Try the a la carte option, right? Exactly. And it's, it's so worth it because the people that are the experienced professionals in the room, we're always so happy and so receptive to see the younger people join us, the people who are maybe three to five years into their career, and that we encourage uh, as a recruiter and a career coach, I always encourage people to get involved in the clubs because those are rooms full of hiring managers. Mm -hmm. And they are so eager to meet young talent and they will always first go to that pipeline of people that they know or people that they're connected to when they need to fill a job, that's where they go first. Yeah, I'm so glad you talked. You know, Brent mentioned BCS, the event that we're here today, Business Communicator Summit. And, you know, when I think about what a, what a great model, and I know you and your board and Amanda and Stacy and others have done such a great job, but, you know, to be able to come to a one-day event and hear this quality, you know, the caliber of speakers that we have, John Hall, who speaks around the country, who was our keynote speaker this morning, you know, that's the kind of thing you'd probably have to go to maybe Chicago or New York to, to do otherwise, yet it's right here in Kansas City. And, and I think that the BCS model, and just to put another quick plug, has, has been a, you know, exactly what you're talking about, it. rich professional development through an organization. Exactly. It's always been, just as an individual, this has been one of my favorite events to go to every year. I mindfully sit at a table with people I don't know. (laughs) And I always a good practice. Always. It never fails that every year I come away with a new friend or a new acquaintance. And that's the lifeblood of all of our careers are our the the health and vitality of our network. Well, and you you talked about the importance of that in the state of hiring. Right. And it, you're in kind of a unique situation, probably one of the few here at BCS where you're a recruiting consultant and you have a good feel for the, you know, the market and the employment opportunities, which I, I want to address a little bit. You had talked about specific to getting a master's degree, a couple professions or actually job functions where it's starting to look more and more like there's a need for having that master's degree. And I wanted to explore that a little bit further around maybe what a couple of those functions might be and the the interest of where a master's degree provides that. And then talk about the maybe the overall health of the employment market for marketers. Okay, uh, sure. We'll, we'll unpack one each at a time. Yeah. But the, <laughs> yeah. yeah, give you the bundled question. But you mentioned those 
those functions when we talked yeah, about the master's degree. Uh-huh. And I, I didn't want you to get away without exploring a couple of those because I think it's been, I've grown up, I'm very curious about that because I'm sitting here with an academic, he has a PhD, and I've and this has been intentional. I've grown up in the school of hard knocks. Mm-hmm. I don't have a master's degree. I don't have a PhD. You actually have a PhD in the school of hard knocks. Yeah, I have a PhD in the school of hard knocks. But I, when you were talking about experience, I've gotten into, and we'll be speaking today on podcasting. That was a that was a hobby for me yes. ten years ago, right? So it wasn't a paid gig. It was so I'm really interested in hearing about some of the functions that are now requiring an MBA because I may have been a couple of years ago the employment manager that might have been dismissive. Right. And so I want to explore that that particular. So what are some of those? I'll shut up. What are some of those functions? No, this is you're, <laughs> you're framing up the question yeah. in exactly the right way. Yeah. And it all has to do with the types of change and the rate of change sure. that we're seeing. Okay. But what I would say is that in both mid-sized and large companies and organizations, we're seeing an incredible amount of change in org charts and how people are defining their marketing and communications functions and where they're actually placing those on the org charts and where before they've been siloed, now they're going to be kind of meshed together. And there are a lot more in, for example, in the communications area, I would say that there is a lot more appetite for business acumen. Okay, so you, we see more jobs on the communications side where it can actually be, you, you could see on the preferred list, not necessarily the required list, but on the preferred list, MBA preferred. And the reason that they're doing that is this person's going to be running P&Ls mm-hmm. in a communications area. And so that business acumen is more highly prized than it used to be. Then, for example, on the communications side, we see more and more desire for technical expertise, particularly in digital. So an employer might prefer an advanced degree in digital marketing, even though it's a communications function. On the marketing side, it's becoming more and more appealing for marketers to have people with storytelling capacity and capability. So they might be looking for, if not an advanced degree, maybe an additional degree on the communications side. Sometimes certifications can take the place of, of these master's degrees. But those are just, a, did that answer your question? It did. It did. Okay. It's, it, and I think it did it better because it, it abstracted it from certain functions to more larger disciplines and the type of skill. No, right. I think Because the reality is, Brent, the job titles are all over the map mm-hmm. right now. You practically have to have a translation glossary <laughs> with you at all times. The secret decoder the, ring we used to find in the yeah, cereal box. Yeah. <laughs> Because the exact same job description, practically identical at five different companies, can easily have five different titles. I'm so glad you said that because I see that as well. And you know, the, and you know, I'm sure you'll explore this in your panel, but certainly living in that world, there are different types of master's degrees, and I know you alluded to it. 
there certainly is the more traditional masters in business, the MBA, the masters in business administration. There are very specialized degrees like ours, which is a master's in integrated marketing communications. There's one in digital marketing. So we now have many different, many uh, more varied offerings, I guess I would say, in the master's field, depending on you know where you might see your career going. Yes, exactly. And so we're going to be encouraging people in our panel this afternoon to look at all of the different priorities that they might be trying to arrange. And what am I looking for? Am I looking for career advancement? Am I looking to increase my earning potential? Am I seeking to explore a subject matter passion? Am I looking to make a career change altogether? So people, people can have wildly different reasons for wanting to, to go after an advanced degree or certificate. Well, and I think the benefit of that Regard, you gave three great examples of different disciplines or functions and then the type of complementary skills. I joked earlier, you know, the School of Hard Knocks is great on some level, but it takes me maybe through, I gave the example of podcasting, 10 years to acquire the acumen required. The beauty of this is you don't, it doesn't require 10 years to go through all the life experiences. You're giving a, getting a heavy dose of whatever that experience needs to be and the exposure to it, right? So, which is certainly the benefit because your company doesn't have 10 years yeah. to, wait for, you to, to yeah. wait for you to get that experience. Exactly. So. And so many programs are going online. I was just in Angie Pastorek's section and she was talking about the rapid migration online. But here's, here's the biggest advice that I give to people when they're looking at master's degree programs is talk to people. Talk to people who have been through that program take a look at what they say, take a look at how connected, is that program operating in a vacuum or is it really connected to the community that it is supposed to be serving? Very good advice, good, great advice. The market right now, hiring seems to be strong, at least from my view, what, what, are, you, what are you seeing? It is, let's all, let's, yeah, knock on is wood. there yeah. some wood we can knock <laughs> on here? Brent's audio here, but we're. <laughs> That's all right, we can, <laughs> if it's strategically That's done, right. we okay. can do okay. it. Okay. It's yeah. the end of February, 2020. We're in a time of great chaos. Who the heck knows what we're facing for the rest of this year, but hiring is strong. I will tell you, I've been in the recruiting business now for 22 years before that. I had 20 years in marketing and communications, so you do the math how old I am. <laughs> But there's something weird that typically happens in presidential election years. And at a certain point, hiring slows down because the CFOs shut off the water. Mm -hmm. And it's some kind of weird CFO uncertainty that happens in presidential election years. So I don't know if we're going to experience that this year, but it wouldn't be uncommon. So for people who are looking to make career changes, I think what I would personally be saying is, you know, try to get her done before midsummer. Yeah, June. Uh-huh. Yeah. Fiscal conservatism in election years is pretty uh-huh. Somebody with 14 years of investment management company experience, yes. Part of the party. You know, as we wrap up, Catherine, I don't want to let you get away without talking about certainly when all of us who, who work with young people or, or even mid-career folks look toward when it comes time to search for a job or career. But and I know when I work with students, I talk about this so often, especially in Kansas City, world's largest small town, networking, so vital to career success, obviously. And it seems to me that people rarely get jobs through an online posting, which are you know now the, the rage in the last 20 years. It's more by reaching out and having those coffees with people you don't know every week, et cetera. Agree? Disagree? Yes. Help, help expand. Yes, absolutely. 
So and any the advice? people that work in the careers industry, uh, there's no single source for this, but this is a, a pretty common statistic and I, I find it validated wherever I go, that approximately only 30% of jobs are filled through job postings. 70% are filled through internal candidates, referrals, networking, or talent pipelines that already exist. So we advise people don't ignore your job postings, but don't think that that is your recipe. One of the biggest things that we do, both at Land a Job and also I lead this effort with IABC, we go out to college campuses and universities and we talk to students about launching their career and the lion's share of what we're talking about. Of course, they always want to talk about their resumes. You know, they have their little checklist. But what we're trying to impart to them is the importance of networking and how they can actually do that. And really, networking is a lot easier than people. We psych ourselves out and we think, oh, I don't want to walk in the big room where people don't know me. You don't have to do it that way. Networking is one-on-one -on -one, and people are always delighted to help one another. And especially people are delighted to help students, but they have to ask. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Great. Kat, thank you so much. Before we leave, how can people reach you? How can people learn more about Land a Job? So uh, Land a Job is findable at our site, which is landajobnow.com. My name is Katherine Lorenzen, and my email address is at our site. You can also find me on LinkedIn, Katherine, K-A-T-H-R-Y-N, Lorenzen, L-O-R-E-N-Z-E-N. And I'm shockingly accessible. <laughs> Many events around town, <laughs> aforementioned. You're, you're, you're easy to find. Well, thank you again for spending time with us today and also helping out here at, at BCS. Well, this is great. I'm so glad that you all are doing this for the community and you do a good job. Right, thank Thanks, you. Catherine. Take care. If you found value in today's episode, check us out on our website, cultivatedmarketer.com. You'll also be able to subscribe to us, rate us, and leave us a comment on your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Remember, a garden of opportunity grows with Cultivated Marketer. Cultivated Marketer.